We're in the year of triumph. I don't feel like it's triumph. Don't make any difference how you feel. I'm going to ask you about your feelings. Amen. We're talking about the Word of God. And we're talking uh, in the weeks that we have left this year about supernatural increase. Or I say supernatural. And that means what can be obtained way beyond the natural realm. Above, above, beyond, um, in addition to anything you may be doing in the natural, God is able to cause you to abound supernaturally. How do you understand when the Israelites came to their masters in Egypt and said, we want your silver and gold, we're leaving, and they gave it to them. And then as they were being pursued by the Egyptian army, the people of God crossed over on dry land, and their pursuers were caught in the water and drowned. How many of you know that was supernatural increase? Just like that, these people who are slaves are now all walking in a place in a position of increase and wealth. How many understand when there was a siege in Samaria and there were four lepers sitting outside the gate and they were starving to death? If they weren't going to die from leprosy, they were going to die from starvation. On inside the camp, they were starving inside the gates. And on the outside perimeter was this, this wicked army that laid siege to the situation. But they came to themselves one day and they woke up and they said, why sit we here until we die? And when they got up, how many of the army of God went with them? And when they got to the enemy's camp, there was no one there. Go figure. God had run them out and all the spoils, all the gold, all the silver, all the food, all the clothes were there. And they were instantly and supernaturally increased. How many know the day that the Queen of Sheba showed up loaded down with just tons and tons of precious metals to give a man who was already extremely wealthy those resources, that was supernatural increase. I mean, it's like, it's like seeking out the richest man in the world and saying, here, here's a few more billion. Does that make any sense at all? No, it's supernatural. Look at somebody say supernatural. Uh, throughout the building, you'll see some nativity scenes here. There's one that's porcelain out there in the, in, the, in the lobby. And when you think about the Christmas story, you think about there's little baby Jesus, and there's Mary, and there's Joseph, and there's some animals there, maybe an angel or two. And then you always have how many wise men? Three. So out of that came the tradition of what? Three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, they must have had, you know, one king per gift. Have you ever seen a king or a head of state travel alone? No. Let alone three of them travel alone. No, the fact is they came with an entourage, and historians now believe anywhere from 40 to 50 camels were in that entourage that came to Jesus that day, as he was now older than birth. He was around two years old. And they presented him those treasures, gold, frankincense, and more instantly this little guy had all of this supernatural increase attracted to him. Why? Because this family was going to be transplanted into Egypt for a season. And because, you'll find this out, the anointing attracts increase. If you'll stay anointed, you'll stay a person of increase all the days of your life. Everybody say it, I'm anointed and I'm increasing. And I'm not apologizing for it. Are you here tonight? Psalm 115 says this in verse 14. He'll increase you, may he increase you more and more. R.K. Harrison's translation of the Old Testament in the Hebrew says, May the Lord give you continual prosperity. Amen. Think about that. Continual prosperity, continual well-being in your life, in your finances, in your health, and everything that pertains to you. Now remember that classical redemption, say that classical redemption, 
it includes a, a, an impartation and an effect in three areas of your existence. One is spiritual, one is physical, and one is material. Say that with me, spiritual, physical, and material. It first and foremost affects you spiritually. Aren't you glad that he forgave you and restored you to a right relationship with the Father? Aren't you glad your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Aren't you glad you've been given the gift of righteousness? Aren't you glad he's got a place being prepared for you tonight? This is all real, but it also affects you physically in the now to preserve you for your purpose on earth. And then one day there'll actually be a resurrection from the dead should you die before Jesus comes or a resurrection in translation, you know, at that last day when he calls you, you're going to have a transformation in your life physically. But he affects things physically now. And then there is the material blessing. Now the problem is for a lot of people, they've gotten so detached from their Hebrew roots, the Americanized preaching, the local church with little Bible characters on felt boards in third grade Sunday school, and it was, you repent and you get to heaven, and, and if you don't feel very good about yourself, then repent again, get saved again, and this is your life until the day you die, and then you go on to be with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot more revelation and purpose for your life than getting saved and then dying one day. Can I have a better amen than that? And so think of it like this. There's some people that say, well, what's important is to be saved and live your life for the Lord and die to yourself. And we all preach that. In fact, I talked about surrender this past weekend. And it's all true. But here, I'm going to explain to you this way. Suppose you got a deed in the mail from some land somewhere, maybe even in the West somewhere. And on that land was great water resources, natural resources of water, beautiful land, fertile land. But there were also vast amounts of minerals in that land. Now watch this. You have every right to say, I just want the land. I don't care about the waterways. I don't care about the mineral rights. You have the right to say, I'm not going to mess with that. I don't want the mineral rights in the deed. I don't want the water. I just want the land. But you do not have a right to criticize somebody who says, I want the water and the mineral rights. Can I have a better amen than that? If they deeded me the land... I have a right to the waterway and I have a right to whatever is in the ground, whether it is natural gas or it is gold or silver or something else, I have a right to it. You have a lot of people in the body of Christ, they're perfectly content with the promised land. There's no problem with that. If that's all you want, that's great. But don't criticize somebody who also demands the mineral rights. And this is what you find in the Western church. There's some people who are perfectly satisfied with spiritual redemption, but they care nothing about physical redemption. That's fine, but don't criticize the person who believes that God wants to heal them and heal through them. If you're a person and you like the spiritual redemption and you like the physical redemption, but you want nothing to do with the material redemption, that's perfectly fine. Just don't criticize the person who's believing God for the material redemption as well. You work out your own salvation if you're in trembling. Mother Teresa, for example, enjoyed spiritual redemption, and she enjoyed helping the hurting and praying for the sick and ministering to the practical needs of those who had leprosy in throughout her life, laid her life down, and in her tradition took a vow of poverty. She cared about spiritual redemption, physical redemption to a certain extent, but cared nothing about material redemption. That's her perfect right. But can I tell you this? She wasn't an idiot either. She knew her supplies and ministry would cost money. So one day after John and Paul II rode through town in one of those bulletproof golf carts, she asked if he would donate it to her. She auctioned it off for several hundred thousand dollars. 
She was born, but not last night. Do you see this? Even though she didn't press for material redemption on this planet in this earth at this time, she still needed material to do what? Feed the poor. Clothe those that are without clothing and, and help those who are sick. So you can see the reason we have spiritual, physical, and, and, and material redemption is so that we can do the things that we're called to do. Watch this. In the story in the Old Testament, when the lepers got up, they had a little party to themselves. <laughs> I mean, we thought we were dead. Now look at this. We're just throwing the gold up in the air, the silver and the weapons and the food, and they're just gorging themselves. And all of a sudden they come to themselves and they say, you know what? This isn't right. There's an entire people locked behind that gate. King, military officers, and they're starving to death. It's not right that we take all this material prosperity and what? And keep it to ourselves. And they went and informed the king, and the rest is history. They enjoyed it, but they didn't enjoy this just themselves. They were a conduit and a source for those who were not doing very well. And that's when you begin to understand that supernatural increase in God's prosperity is about you and I being a, a vessel for what God wants to do. Can I have a better amen than that? Uh, Sunday we presented this to you, and then you can still have the opportunity to support this with somebody in, in our fellowship uh, could be out of a house in a couple of weeks in the middle of the holidays and no place for him or his son or any of the stuff they've acquired. And many of you have already given to that. In fact, we're closed in on the ability to take care of that, uh, that need. You know, 100%, how many believe with us? Amen. And you can, but think about this. If you have a heart for God, you probably would say something like this. I'd like to just write the whole check. Yeah. Yeah. Let me try that again. If you're in a position because you have been increased and you would have a heart to, how many of you just would love to just walk in and say, here it is. The Lord has provided, and I'm going to take care of this need. I praise the Lord for that. That's the purpose of it. There couldn't be any more thing, anything more exciting than to be able to do that. Now, everybody can do something, obviously, amen? And I believe in a situation like that, you want to set yourself up to bless your house, take care of somebody else's house. Amen, and you can. And if you want to help out with that, you can. You can just see Miss George, just write house on the memo of a check, and we'll know what that's all about. But, you know, um, you and I need spiritual redemption, physical redemption, and we also need material redemption. And it's promised to you, and the, the pathway is a thing called supernatural increase. You're not limited to what you can do. So look at somebody and say, I'm going to take the land and the water and the minerals and don't criticize me for it. Let me try that one more time. I'm going to take the land and the water and the minerals. You can keep your criticism. Now, I don't know why somebody wouldn't take everything that he died to give you. But that's between you and the Lord. But I'm not a second class Christian because you won't take it. I'm not somehow unspiritual because I demand the mineral rights. I'm preaching better already looking at me right now. Amen. Years ago, Brother Copeland, uh, in the early 70s, I guess it was, flew over what was part of an old uh, army base in uh, northwest Tarrant County, Texas. 
had hangers and had a water plant and, you know, the, the runways they would need for the ministry they're called to do. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is your land. Okay. <laughs> well, he knew he wasn't supposed to go in the debt. He knew he, wasn't, he couldn't go into it anyway because they wouldn't give it to him. But he knew that this was God's land. So he visited the man that owned that land and took somebody with him from the ministry. And the first couple of times he was there, they just sat out on the porch basically and they're just rocking in a rocking chair and nobody saying anything. He just wanted to kind of get the feel for who these people were. And eventually what he decided to do was to divide that land up, I believe it was in, in four sections, and allow him to pay and, and as rent or lease on that land. And when he would when he would sell, when he would, you know, give enough money for that one quarter of the section, whatever, he would deed that part of the property to him and take the money for rent, and that would be the end of, of that transaction. And then the man told him, he said, matter of fact, over here, there's been a company that's wanted to, to harvest our rock on the land for years and years and years. Let's start with that parcel of land, and then you harvest that rock, and then you can use that rock to pay for these rent payments. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. So one, one swatch at a time, eventually 2,000 plus acres, they had it all and never went to the bank to get a dollar for it and had the resources to actually pay the man with the rock from his own property. Then after the deal was sealed, they found natural gas on the property. And so they put gas generators on the property and now they don't pay anybody for electricity or water on the property and the overflow of electricity, they sell it back to Texas Power and Gas. They actually make money off the rice. Now how stupid would it be to say, no, I don't want your rock. And I sure don't want the gas. Look at somebody and say, I want the land, I want the water, and I want the mineral rights and I'm not going to apologize for it. Amen? It's classical redemption. It is physical. It's spiritual. And it's material. Now, can people get selfish with it? Oh, yeah, they can. A lot of people are selfish with it. God increases people, and the first thing they think about is how they can hold on to everything. A person with a renewed mind thinks the first thing they think when God does something spectacular, how can I give? I'll take more than that holy grunt. Their first thought is, how can I be a blessing? Their first thought is, I'm going to tithe off the increase of whatever God has done. Then I'm going to be a blessing with this because that's what God has called us to be. Abraham was blessed not to be a hoarder, but to be what? But to be a blessing. And can I tell you something about this? That's the pathway. We're going to talk about the seven principles or the seven ways of God they cause supernatural increase in your life, and then by now you know I'm not going to cover them all tonight. But they actually set you up for supernatural increase. And in terms of your walk with God, they're, they're actually a big deal because they all reveal the heart. You'll see that the heart is connected to your increase. Say that with my heart is connected to my increase. And you can be spiritually minded about this, or you can be you know, more, more carnival about this. And what happens is when people start to understand the ways of God and supernatural increase, they choke on some of the ways. For example, in giving, they choke on that. God's ways of increase involve giving, and they don't want to do that. That's a, a red flag to them. So no matter what God does in your life, you want to be a giver. You want to be excited about giving. 
You want to be excited about helping people. Did you hear what I said? Those who you've already given towards this, this individual's house situation, you know, you should be rejoicing. He's not going to be thrown out by Christmas. He's still going to be in his house at Christmas time. You ought to be happy about that. And happy about souls being saved and happy about practical means. I think, Rodney, you're talking about the individual who had very expensive drugs, medicine need, and the ministry was able to, to help get him the medicine that he needed to stabilize his life and mind. You know what did that? Tithes and offerings did that. I mean, I wish I was in a place where every need that came in, I could just write a check, but that's just not the case. But collectively, I mean, understand there's a power here, there's an ability here to deal with things that we couldn't do individually. So what happens is, and I'll say it again, it's the seed that you sow that you're excited about that works for you. Look at somebody and say, I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. You can tell from my face, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. <laughs> yes, amen. Third John verse 2, listen to this carefully. Beloved, I wish above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as what? Your soul prospers. Right there, classic redemption. I pray that you prosper. I pray that you be in good health. But what? Even as your soul is prospering. In other words, you're spiritually impacted first. It means your mind is being renewed. It means your will is being submitted or your life is surrendered. And it means that your emotions are under control. A lot of people can't supernaturally increase because their emotions are out of control. The rich young ruler was given an apostolic ministry, an opportunity to be part of a worldwide force. Jesus and 12 men changed the world forever and ever and ever and ever. We're here tonight because of that ministry. And when he was told what he had to do, the Bible says he got S-A-D. What did he get? Sad. And that sad was more powerful than the promise of an apostolic ministry. Look, when God impresses us to give, we shouldn't respond with sad. It should be, where can I sign on the dotted line? What can I do to keep the ways of God? So write this down in your paper there. First and foremost, you need to be excited about every single one of these ways we talk about. They need to be driving forces in your life. They need to be, you need to be thrilled about the ways of God. Because when you keep the ways of God, you're setting yourself up for supernatural increase. An economy can't stop it. Government can't stop it. Relatives can't stop it. Nobody can stop you from increasing when you're keeping the ways of God. You attract the benefits of the covenant when you keep the ways of God. Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35, 27. Great scripture. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. How many of you all favor God's cause? How many afford the gospel in redemption? Amen. You favor his righteous cause. Let him say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. What's amazing is this scripture says, let them continually say something. It gives them a prescription for what should be in their mouth. And it says to say continually that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Shout that out. God. My God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Say it like this. My God takes pleasure in my prosperity. Now, that's what he has told you to say. But if you listen, you'll hear people say, God doesn't care about that stuff. 
That's selfish. That's focused on you. That's fleshly. Then why in the world would God tell us to continually say it? Amen. Confession brings possession. I don't want to talk contrary to what God told me to talk. In other words, this scripture, again, amplifies the, the point that it's part of your redemption. It's part of your covenant. It's part of who you are as a child of God. And you can't separate. Say it once again. I'm taking the land. I'm taking the water. And I'm taking the mineral rights. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they found minerals on your property? Natural gas on your property. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they found it on this property? It used to be a chicken farm years ago. <laughs> But you know, you never know. Be like Jay Clampett. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you just dated yourself by knowing who Jay Clampett actually is. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Psalm 25, let's start here. We're talking about the seven ways of God that bring supernatural increase. Psalm 25, I'm going to look at uh, verse 4 and 5 with you, Psalm 25. Show me your ways. Show me your ways. What a great thing to pray. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are, are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Shout this out. Show me your ways. Teach me your truth. He doesn't uh, mind at all showing us his ways. Amen. All those ways, Scripture says, are pleasant, victorious, and successful. Write this down. Supernatural increase is tied to keeping the ways of God. That's why ultimately you can't help somebody who won't keep the ways of God. But you can't stop somebody who keeps the ways of God. Sooner or later, they're going to pop out. If they just keep at it, keep doing what God told them to do, it's going to manifest. Why can I say that? Because your God's not a man that he should lie. And I've been on this earth long enough to know and watch faith people long enough to see that if they stay at it, it's going to pop out all over them. What happens is people get put out. They get tired. They get frustrated. They get offended. They get into emotions. All kinds of things happen, and they just kind of park the bus. Instead of staying at this thing, I tell you, just keep keeping the ways of God and honoring God. It's going to manifest in your life. we got too many stop and starters in the body of Christ. They start, they stop. They start, they stop. They start, they stop. No, we need to, to find out what the ways of God are and keep the ways of God. And you'll be glad you did. I believe 2021 is going to be that kind of year where those who refuse to quit are going to see God manifest in their lives in amazing ways. I believe the non-quitters are going to be glad they didn't quit. There are many people in this ministry that have been this long enough to quit, but they didn't do it. They just kept plugging away and asking God, show me your ways. Why? Because God's supernatural increase is tied to you knowing and keeping the ways of God. That's why this teaching is so critical. You've heard the scripture, Matthew 6, 33. What does it say? Seek ye first. What? First, not the last minute, not a tack on thing. Well, I guess we have to go to church. Oh, I got to pray. No, you get to pray. Bless God. And you're in a free nation where we can still do this legally. Amen. Despite all the pressure against the church right now, you seek ye 
first the kingdom of God and his ways and his righteousness, and then all these other things, the scripture says, will be what? Added on to you as well. Why people want to divorce the very words of Jesus from seek ye first? I don't know. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Say it as spiritual as you can. Jesus. Jesus said, what? Give, and it shall be given. That scripture doesn't say give, period. You'd be amazed how many people mentally, emotionally put a period right there. You don't have a right to pervert the scripture. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given. Now, what do you have to do first? Give, and it shall be given. Good measure, first round, amen. Shaking together and running over shall what? Man given to your bosom. You're not going to have a gold bar tree the next morning in your yard. Although that'd be nice if it showered, you know, little gold coins. That'd be wonderful. Not likely. But he opens up pathways into your life. And so it's critical. Listen to this from the Amplified. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Shout that out. His ways of doing and being right. God has ways. And our job is to find out what they are and then line up with those. And we tap into the promises that he's actually made. That's why it's the, the serious believer that gets, you know, all the fruit. You have to actually find out what those ways are, agree with them, and then actually, you know, keep them longer than a day. Can I have an amen? Can I have another amen? amen. Remember from Sunday, the foundation for supernatural increase is being saved, being surrendered, and being a sower. Say it with me. Saved, surrendered, and a sower. This series really is about number two. I believe you're saved. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? It encompasses the second and third point, but this is about being surrendered. When I run into the ways of God, now I have to make a decision. Am I going to line up to his ways and get the benefit, or will I keep on going my way? You say, what's the big deal? The big deal is there are a lot of people in America that are technically saved. They've repented of their sin. They've asked Jesus into their heart. They truly believe they're on their way to heaven. Their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but they're not surrendered. Surrender to his will, surrender to his ways. And the prosperity of God, the supernatural increase, is reserved for those who will live a surrendered life. The good news is no matter how you may, we may have messed up in the past, we can make a decision right now. We're going God's way. We're going to go the ways of God. Isn't that good that you can repent and start all over again? But you can't keep on saying, I don't care what everybody else thinks or what the church says. I'm going to do my own thing. You know, then you'll never know how to supernaturally increase until you surrender. And surrender shouldn't be a bad thing. What's the universal sign of surrender? Wow. <laughs> Is my pointing a gun at you and you don't have one? What do you do? Well, it's not negative. That's the connotation a lot of people have. Well, I surrendered. I guess I'm defeated. No. When you surrender in God's kingdom, you become the winner. Amen. And that's where we're at, talking about the ways of God. John 14, 12 says there's a way, uh, not John, Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of what? Death. Notice it says it seems right. A lot of things that seem right that aren't right. Then Isaiah 55, 7, write that down. Isaiah 55, 7. This is real important. 
Let the wicked forsake their what? Their ways. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. To our God, for he will, he will freely pardon. If you want to see a supernatural increase, you have to identify your ways, see if they're contradictory to his ways, and then take up his ways of doing and being right. Put yours down and embrace his. Just doing what you want to do, that's your way. Amen? Doing what he wants you to do, his way. Walking around in fear, your way. Walking around in faith, what? His way. Walking around in foolishness and stupidity, our way. Walking in the wisdom of God, his way. Walking around in bitterness and, and you know, unforgiveness and strife and offense, that is our way. His way is a way of what? Of love. Do you see the difference here? And you've got to make your mind up that I'm going to measure and then challenge any way of my life that's not there. The way of most people, even the body of Christ, is not purity, it's not holiness, but God's way is what? It's holiness. It's a pure way. A lot of people walk around just, you know, thumbing their nose at people and judging everybody they see and putting people down. That's not God's way. God's way is one of mercy and grace. Aren't you glad you've been impacted by mercy and grace? You know what should happen is you, if you've been a recipient of much mercy and grace, you should be one to give out much mercy and grace. I'm befuddled by something I've witnessed all my life as an adult Christian, that some of the people who've been given the most mercy and grace are the least likely to give it to others. Do you know how dangerous that is? To have been given much mercy, and you can't muster it up for other people. In fact, it's like a cloud that comes over them that forget everything that God did for them, and now they withhold it from somebody else. I'll tell you this, I've watched it, I've seen it happen many times, and a person who functions like that, it's like they are they're just, you know, dead stop in time. They don't progress in the things of God. They don't move forward in the things of God. Nothing great happens in them from that moment. That moment where they chose to be an unmerciful servant. You say, why? Because according to the scripture in Matthew 18, when they did that, their entire sin account was reverted on them. And the penalty that goes with it. It shocks some Christians to find out that by being unmerciful and lacking grace towards others, it can absolutely compromise their own redemption and shut them down. But that's exactly what the scripture teaches. That weight of all that sin you ever did, that he forgave you, you won't release other people. Guess what? Now the full weight of your sin record is back on top of your head. I tell you, that's not the way of God. Aren't you glad that you've been forgiven? Aren't you glad you can forgive others freely from your heart? That's what we're talking about here. There are the ways of men, there are ways of God. Um, the way of God is not fear, the way of God is faith, isn't it, church? Everybody say faith, faith. not fear. Not fear. Say it again, faith, faith. Not, fear. not fear. A lot of people right now in the country are walking in what? Fear. Walking in what? Fear. In fear. And the problem with yielding to a spirit of fear right now, whether it's fear in the economy or fear over politics or fear over COVID, the problem is once you open up that door, it becomes the way the devil gets you every single time. It'll be COVID in 2020. What's it going to be in 21? What's it going to be in 22? Once you allow that to happen, for fear become your Lord, you think that you're using wisdom. Listen, don't, don't cop out. Some people are calling wisdom 
you know, wisdom when in reality it's just fear. That's not the ways of God. So there's no way to get you to a place of supernatural increase when you're sitting back in fear when you should be attacking in faith. Thank you for your great response to that revelation. Amen. (laughs) Say with me, it's faith. Not fear. Oh, it's tough. It's bad out there. Oh, the numbers keep getting worse and worse and worse. Study just came out today to find out that the coronavirus was actually in the United States in 2019. Antibodies from blood that was drawn in 2019, case after case of people who had the virus before we even knew what it was. Hmm. Interesting. When we didn't know anything about it, we didn't freak out about it. Moving right along. What's it going to be five? What, what, what's the devil going to release in five years? If the devil finds out he can shut down the church with an enemy like this, and even some of the best trained Christians in the country yield to it, he's got us. And I'm sorry if that offends your little heart. It's one of my spiritual gifts. You should be walking in faith, not fear. Hallelujah, because it's not what? You need to forsake your ways and your thoughts. Take up God's thoughts. They're higher. Can you do things that are wise? Yes, you can. But listen to me carefully. Blowing God's house off and his word off and prayer off and love and forgiveness and mercy and grace, that's not wise. The dumbest thing you can do is walk in contradiction to his plain word. Remember? Remember after 9-11, how the house of God was packed out all over the country? And two weeks later, what? Well, that lasted, didn't it? Y'all remember when we were first not allowed to have, uh, you know, in-person services? That's back when there was one case in Callaway County. We shut the whole church down in the county for one case, and that one came from Nashville. Let that sit on you for a while. Huh? And we finally were reverting back to service schedule. When you open up Wednesday night, I mean, we saw people here we hadn't seen on Wednesday night in 15 years. Well, you're just aggravating me now, Pastor. Well, I've got that spiritual gift too. It's like sand and an oyster. Amen. If you let it work, it'll produce a pearl. Amen? Or you can just be this little gushy thing that people eat. Amen. A bar in Texas, and they said, we have the world's largest oyster, and if you can eat it, we'll give you $100 bill cash right here on the spot. Nobody seemed to be able to pull it off. This guy pulls off the road, and he loves seafood, so he decides he's going to take that, that challenge. They bring him out this massive oyster. And uh, he loved oysters. I don't know if he do or not, but it's past dinner time anyway. So. <laughs> and he, he ate that oyster, and you know, he, he had to force it down. It was huge. <laughs> and the owner of the restaurant came by, and he said, congratulations, you're the third person today that tried that. Oh. Oh, he didn't get the $100 bill. He, 
He didn't keep it down. Hallelujah. There are a lot of good things that are hard for the flesh to digest. Amen. They produce increase and victory in your life. Say it with me. The ways of God, not my ways. See, God wants to train you, but the devil wants to train you as well. And when you even sense that, that, that spirit of fear coming on you, you should just back up and say, no, I don't yield to this. I yield to the spirit of God. Does that make sense? It starts when we're young. Uh, you know, you're, you're over by the road and you run out in the middle of the road and, and mom or dad or some relative or babysitter screams, get out of the road, you're going to die. Well, you could have just said what? Hey, let's get out of the road. Go about your business. But we had to teach, we had to associate that with fear. When you could have taught them it's not wise to do this without introducing the fear. Jesse DePlantis at the convention this year, we didn't go to it, but I did see the, the, the video of it. He's preaching, and in the middle of his message, he looks at the camera and he's, he's talking to pastors, and he said, Open up your churches. What are you waiting for? And he went on to talk about how he had friends in, in the ministry of pastors. And he said, all these little baby Christians were coming up when the church opened back up. They go, they go let's have service. Let's, we're on fire for God. And he said, all the trained, mature, word of faith people were saying, oh, we've got to use wisdom. Huh? Some of the most seasoned among us are walking around in the ways of the enemy. You walk in the ways of God, supernatural increase. You walk in the ways of the enemy, he'll keep taking from you. And let me also caution this. If you're an adult, that's bad enough. But if you have kids and you're teaching them that, there needs to be some repentance right now over that. Amen. Do you dare teach your child that COVID's more powerful than your God? By words or by example, you tell them that the devil can't manufacture something that's more powerful than your God. Amen. There never has and never will be something that's more powerful than your God. Nothing more powerful than the blood that he shed. Your redemption includes physical, what? Physical restoration, but also protection. You know that on that cross, every disease that ever was or ever will be was on his back. Everyone. He bore them all. And somehow in the body of Christ, and this is getting a little bit away from what I planned on talking to you about tonight. But on that day was written COVID-19. Over 2,000 years ago. You're redeemed from that. And we're walking around like somehow Jesus put COVID in a special category that doesn't have any effect to it. Every disease that ever was or ever will be, he bore on that cross. Every sin that ever was or ever would be, he bore on that cross. That's how powerful your redemption is. You need to trust the one that was on the cross. And not the name of something. And it's difficult because you have people whip the stuff up every day. We're going to get on there and we're going to report how many are sick or how many are dead. I've been thinking, and I talked to Kelly about this, about doing our own news program. A running total every day of how many died by abortion in Kentucky. With graphics and everything. 
and then talk about how sad it is and horrible it is. A little Mary will never know her school. Little Johnny will never know how to ride a bike. You know, little Henry will never go to college. So-and-so will never be what they've been called to be. And just do the running total like they're doing. I promise you they'd have a different attitude about that. Faith comes by hearing, and so does fear. And we're believers all over the country after been sitting under the word for years. And faith comes by here. All of a sudden, this thing is able to push you away from the things of God. Well, pastor, I'm not afraid of me getting it. I'm afraid of giving it to somebody else. Fear is fear. Fear is fear. Amen. Hallelujah. That ends my commercial on COVID-19. <laughs> what I wanted to do tonight was give you uh, these seven, because I want you to be meditating on them. I want you to be studying them yourself so that faith will be great in these seven areas of your own life. So write these down, and then uh, on Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the first one in, in great detail because it's so important. And the first way that produces spiritual, supernatural increase in your life, a material and physical increase, is walking in the truth. Just write that down, walking in the truth. Boy, is that huge because there's an awful lot of error out there. Walking in the truth. Say, I choose to walk in the truth. Say, I choose to walk in the truth. This just simply means you're committed to the discovery of truth, the understanding of truth, and the pursuit of it. Well, scripture tells us how to do this, and that's what we'll talk about on Sunday, but there needs to be a passion for the truth. Yeah. You know, Pilate said, what is truth? Well, uh, unfortunately, he didn't give Jesus the chance to respond to him. He comes back out and he says, I don't have any fault with this man. The problem is that's not far enough. In other words, saying I don't necessarily reject the truth, that's not saying that you embrace the truth. This is the key. Not in error, not in deception, and not in contradiction to the word of God. That's where we come up against God's ways or a thought. His is always going to be true. Watch this. Any thought you have that contradicts God's word, his is true and yours is not. And that has to be your mindset when it comes to walking in the truth. Number two is faithfulness. Faithfulness. And that means wholehearted devotion, steadfastness, consistency. Um, we're going to find you 20 years from now, 30 years from now, still seeking God, still in the word. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Still doing your ministry, doing what God's called you to do. You're going to be consistent as you can be. That's the way it is. You know, our children's director that went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, um, she once said, you know, Jesus didn't tell me a bomb couldn't get me out of my ministry. And that's the way you want to be. Mark Randall, campus, was the same way. Opportunities to quit? Yep. Opportunities to do anything else? Yep. But they were what? Faithful and steadfast. That's the way your God is. Aren't you glad he's faithful? Well, he wants his people to be faithful as well. And when they are faithful, the Bible says a faithful man shall what? Abound. That is, to supernaturally abound is to increase in such a way that it's so much, it really is too much, and it seems like 
you know, way beyond what's even necessary. That's the way your God is. They all abound with blessings if they're faithful. Number three tonight, diligence. The diligence is where you continue to believe and do the right thing, whether you're the only one doing it or not. When everybody's cheering for you, when somebody's criticizing you, when people are saying ugly things about you or the things that you believe or somehow coming against you, I mean, you know, those that live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And you have to be diligent. Write this down. Diligence is just simply steady application to any business. If you're a basketball player and you want to get uh, really good, what do you do? Shoot 100, 200 free throws every single day. If you're a swimmer like I was, you spend, you know, three times in the water a day, sometimes as much as 19, 11 miles a day in the water. That's diligence. And then you come back the next day and do what? You do it again. Yes, up and down and in and out and on fire for God and dead and going to church and not going to church and going to Sunday school or not going to school, coming to Wednesday night or not coming to Wednesday night, you know, tithing or not tithing. Worshiping God or not worshiping God. Living holy or not living holy. One way or the other. No, that stuff is not diligence. And God can't bless a lack of diligence in your life. The ways of God. I'm glad he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the way you should be. I'll tell you one thing, you know. That Mike Skinner, he's like Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You say, that's a tall order. Well, if we will yield to him, we can become like him. And it's a great compliment for somebody to tell you, well, they're the most charismatic person in the world. Well, they got this thing. No, it's a high compliment if somebody says, you know what, they're just the same. Just consistent and constant. It's a high compliment because it means there's maturity there in your life. Number four, tithing. The ways of God. From Abraham before, 400 years before the law was given, to Jesus' ministry in Matthew 23 that tells us we ought to be doing the tithing, but also walking in love and justice and mercy. We don't practice the one and leave the other out. It is a principle, a divine principle. And when people do this, not only does it cause tithers' rights of blessings in their lives, it causes the rebuking of the devourer in their lives. I'd put COVID-19 in that category. Are you here tonight? You say what? You believe God because you're actually diligent in these areas you believe God to do something in your life to rebuke that devil, whatever case, whatever situation you're dealing with, there's not only the blessing of it, but there's also the protection of things, the victory tied to this. Someone say, well, I don't need to, I don't need to tie because, you know, I'm doing just fine financially and everything's going well for me. I've had people tell me this to my face as they were about to lose everything else in their lives and tell me how great their life is because they look to the financial realm and that's all they measure the principle by. Certainly, that's one of the measurables when it comes to the outcomes of the life of a tither. But there's so much more that goes with that. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that. Say it, I'm a giver. And I'm a tither. Tithing is giving the first 10% of your income from all sources that honors God. I'm glad he made it simple. It's one penny of what? Every dime, and it's what? The dime on the dollar, and a $10 spot on 100, and a 100 spot on 1,000, and 1,000 on 10, and 10,000 on what? 100, and 100,000 on a what? Now nah, you got my interest, Pastor, a million. 
when I get a million, I will tithe. You don't tithe on a hundred. Why would you tithe on a million? Are you here today? And I'm speaking generically. I know there are a bunch of tithers in here, I believe. Say it, I'm a tither. And I'm a giver. But someone who's not tithing on a hundred, well, first of all, they'll never see a million. Unless they win the lottery, you know, or some dead relative leaves it in the will. They won't have it very long. They'll just disappear. It'll be like holes in their pants. Gone. Are you here? But if you won't do it at the lowest levels of your income, amen? You have an asset that you turn over, that God blesses you with increase on, the first portion of that should go to God. Habitually, this is what it means to walk in the ways of God. And I know that uh, it's sad, but there are pastors that will not teach these things because people don't necessarily always like hearing them. But everybody look at me and go like this. I love hearing about tithing. <laughs> Say this with you, Pastor. Please teach more, not less, on tithing. All right, you asked for it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But they'll, they'll, they'll not mention it looking humble and like they're not about money and about resource and, oh, they just talk about this and that. They never bring it up. And and in the back of our church is a little wood box. And if you want to give something, no pressure. You just, you just stick in there, you know, sign nothing at our church, give nothing, do nothing. We just want you here. We just want to, we just want to love on you and just sheepishly stick that in the back of the box back there. You know, what's happened is the pastor has shut people down in terms of supernatural increase because they've not taught the people that way. You need to be taught what? The ways of God. And you'd be amazed at the emotional attachment even seasoned believers have to their money. Oh, oh. And to protect that, they'll put up a false flag of, well, they just talk too much about that stuff, or I don't believe that way, or I don't believe in prosperity. But what they're really saying is, I don't believe in giving. Amen. So I'll shoot down supernatural increase so that I won't have to participate in it. Now, that's not us in this room. Say it one more time. I want you to teach more. More on tithing. Not less. <laughs> what happens is it, it causes us to line up with a way that takes us to a new level. I don't understand how he does it, but he always comes through for a tither. I can't give you A, B, C, D. I can't give you one, two, three. All I know is you identify yourself. The Lord's eyes run to and fro throughout all the earth looking for what? Someone to show himself strong on their behalf. And he just knows the heart of a tither, and somehow, some way, they're coming out of this. If you're in a tough place right now, you're coming out of it. Because you're lining up with the ways of God. Amen. So in this series, because it's one of seven, there will be a message on tithing. And some of you are thinking, make sure you tell us when you're going to do that so I can go to Clarksville or... Have a callus or a corn, you know, or a hangnail that day. No, see, when, when you catch a revelation of the ways of God and how important they are, you're excited about all of them. The sadness and the sense of loss, anger, all that stuff, confusion, it's gone. 
Because the ways of God work. Amen. They do. Say it, they work. Number, number five is similar to tithing, and it's called sowing. And sowing is where you first sow to the spirit instead of the flesh. You're taking care of yourself spiritually. But you're also giving up your time, talent, and treasures beyond the tithe. This is where you can really see God move in your life. Okay, so you, you tithe. That's great. What is God saying? Here's the mistake in the modern church is that somehow my responsibility is the tithe alone. So there are people who don't believe in tithing in the church, and there are then people who believe, you know, and, and throwing a little, you know, you know, maybe just a token at God once in a while. Then there are people that believe in tithing, but they haven't caught the revelation about sowing. And here's the revelation. Everything you have, God gave you. So it's not 10% God's and 90% yours. It's 100% God's. The founders of Curves, great story, before they founded that franchise opportunity, they uh, made millions of dollars and squandered it all, lost everything. Got right with God, then began to say, from now on, we're going to give God 90% of every dollar. And you know what happened? They just kept increasing. They didn't get less wealthy. They just kept on increasing. Now, I'm not saying that that's what you're supposed to do. I'm just saying that's an example of somebody who understood that the tithe is the starting point, And the rest of it is about stewardship for you and for me. The tithe, listen, is not a stewardship issue. Get that out of your mind. The tithe is an obedience honor issue. I either honor God or I don't. But then when you're going along your way, and um, all of a sudden he speaks to your heart to do something. And you say, well, I'm a tither, yes, but I'm also a what? A sower. And there's a need in the community or a need in the family, a need in the church. There's a missionary or a situation like I presented Sunday morning. You, you, you're a tither. That's not the issue. Now the issue is how do I tap into supernatural increase by being a sower in that situation? And I'll tell you, it pleases the heart of God. And that's when you can begin to, to really know the joy where it's more blessed to what? To give than receive. The tithe is already, you have already solved that, you know, in number four. Say it with me. I want some more teaching on tithing and sowing. Shout out, I love teaching on sowing. Shout out, I want some more. I want some more. I want some more. It's not a bad idea because faith comes by what? Hearing, and it becomes, watch this, write this down, it becomes a lifestyle of the giver. Amen. It's the way you live. Amen. And you get clear and you're hearing when God's talking to you. It's a wonderful thing. And you meet needs and you bless people. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to live. And watch this, according to 2 Corinthians 9, you don't lose on those transactions. He gives seed to what? To the sower. You don't lose you actually gain by being a sower. Amen. Now there's, of course, you know, you people give uh, missions, four missions in this church, and then we also support, of course, a, a bunch of missionaries all over the world, and then we also uh, are benevolent towards situations in the community the other day. And you um, will appreciate how, how the situation is. Your giving enabled us 
to help a local business, their workers, 15 of them without jobs because of the closures of the restaurants. And um, Kelly and I were in there, we were taking care of some business, and I mean, I know when God's talking about sowing, and understand this, I know what we can do as a ministry as well, after doing this for years, I know where that threshold is, and, and missions is, is across the, the globe and around the world, but how many you understand, oftentimes missions can be across the street as well. When you got people in town who can't work because their, their restaurant was closed down. And, uh, you know, so I just, uh, I know what God was saying about this situation. And we were able to give each member of that staff something right at Thanksgiving. And it was done in Jesus' name. And it was done for his glory. And, you know, we're still getting feedback from these individuals. They don't go here. But how many understand if some of them have a need or they have a crisis, guess what's going to happen? They're going to remember the seed. So when you give to missions, you give, you tithe, you give to missions as well. You understand you know, missions is, is on top of your tithe. These are, these are you know, people that are being impacted around the world, but, but locally as well. On campus, you are the biggest supporter of 212 in the country. You have always been the biggest supporter of campus ministry at Murray State University. Always. When you are involved just through your giving in a local church. But I'm saying that God wants to talk to you that way. What I'd like to see is God dump so many resources on this church that we can do things we've never done before. Well, it would be wonderful just to have a pay off the mortgage fund. Doesn't that just thrill you? Amen. Is he able to do it? Yes. For faithful in one thing, how many know he will what? If faithful in the small, he'll see that you're used in, in the big. Amen? The true riches as well, the anointing of God. Walking in the truth, faithfulness, diligence, tithing, sowing. Number six, believing. This is where the way of faith comes in. Believing the decision to go with God whenever it contradicts your thoughts or the thoughts of religion or somebody else. Say it with me. I'm a believer. I'm a believing believer. And I'm going to believe God. And you can see a lot of things out there that may contradict the word of God, but you choose to stay on God's word. I know that's what they said, but what did God say? I know this is what is happening, but what did God say? I tell you, the Bible says that faith pleases him. Supernatural increase from just simply daily walking the walk of faith. Now watch this. If you're not careful as a faith person, you'll think that you receiving the manifestation of your faith is what pleases him. No, the manifestation of your faith pleases you. But the faith itself pleases him and he says that he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a what rewarder of those that diligently seek him and that word reward in the Greek is talking about recompense it's talking about paycheck wages due to the one that actually is doing the work the work of what believing that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him but you say, well, if I could just get the manifestation of my faith, then God would be pleased with me. No, he's pleased because you believe even though you don't see. 
Right now, you're believing for a miracle in your body, believing for a miracle in your life, believing for a financial miracle, believing for something to happen in somebody else's life. Guess what? You're actively believing, confessing, calling things to be not as though they were. God's pleased. Now, if you give up and start talking trash, slipping away from God, the things of God, the house of God, letting your faith stumble and waver in unbelief, he's not going to be pleased with that. Scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as what? Righteousness. When you go uh, into Scripture, now I'm glad for the ability to, to study the Word of God together. Isn't it wonderful that we can do this? But when you go to Scripture, you will not find many things that say explicitly this pleases God. But you believing him against what you hear, think, See, feel, that pleases God. Amen. It's the ways of God. Number seven is saying. You've never heard this one before either. Saying or speaking the truth of God's word on purpose. It's the steering wheel of your life. It's saying. And you and I get into the habit of just sticking to what God said no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on. Um, it's one of the ways of God. Do you know that Moses didn't get in trouble after all of his leadership because he struck the rock? According to Psalm 106, he got in trouble because the Bible says his words were rash. His mouth got him into trouble. Amen. When the Israelites complained and murmured, Bible says in Numbers, God said, I've heard everything you said, and I'm going to do everything you said. And everything they said in their memory, and their, their memory, and their bitterness, and their complaining, it all manifested. It matters. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Say with me, my tongue has the power of life and death. Now watch this. The ways of God are things that you walk in perpetually. So I don't go to a faith seminar or Bible study on Wednesday night, get all excited about the power of my tongue, and then do it for two days. And then revert in your mouth to the way you used to talk. Fear, doubt, and unbelief, and cynicism. Do you know you can't be a big negative, critical person, cynical person, and be a person who's a faith talker at the same time? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Keep the word going in, so the word will what? will come out. Now here's the deal. You, you give yourself over. You surrender to these seven ways. I promise you, your 2021 is going to be one for the books. Can you receive that today? Shout it out and say it with me. Walking in the truth. Faithfulness. Diligence. Tithing. Sowing. Believing. Saying. Say it one more time. This time I want you to shout it out. Walking in the truth, faithfulness, diligence, tithing, sowing, believing, saying. Let the wicked man forsake what? His ways and his thoughts. And it's not just forsaking our ways, it's taking on the thoughts and the ways of God. Let's give him a hand clap and just thank him for it tonight.